Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Welcome to Carols. This is week three, our final week, and we're looking at three different Christmas carols, one each week, and this week we're going to take a look at the carol Away in a Manger. And we're not sure who wrote it. It was written and published in 1885. Some think Martin Luther. Other people think it was uh, others. But it's an incredible song. And I want you to enjoy this version of the song at this time.
love watching that guy paint on the wall. That's incredible. Um, this is our song, and we're interested in a specific part of the song. And I'm going to read two verses of uh, Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, verses 10 and 11. It says, And the angel said to them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will come to all people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And whether he's little Lord Jesus or he's resurrected Lord Jesus, he's always Lord. He was Lord when he was 13. He was Lord when he was 20. He was Lord when they nailed him to the tree. And he's still Lord. He created everything. He was Lord before he was born as a baby. And we're going to talk today about the Lordship of Jesus in our lives. And that's why I believe this is one of the most, or probably I think it's the most important message that any Christian can hear and understand. If you told me that you had a friend or a loved one that just accepted Christ as their Savior, what's the best message that you preach, Pastor Joe, that I could give to them? I would say today's message. And I would talk about today's scriptures. I'd say, let them read these scriptures. Because all of us, after we accept Christ, the next step is making him Lord of every area of our life. And that's a, that's a lifelong process. There's always the first move. We say, all right, Jesus, I make a decision to do that. But then it's a process after that. And you know, the Bible talks a lot about this. Jesus as Lord appears 740 times in the New Testament. That's huge. And here's the definition of lordship. It just simply means this. It means supreme authority or controller. And it just simply means giving Jesus control of our lives. And I would think everyone in this room, we, I talked a little bit about it last week in a different way for different reasons, but I would think every one of us in this room uh, like to hold on to control in certain areas of our life. And as I said last week, I, I consider myself somewhat of a control freak, and you just, you just want to keep as much in control as you can. I was with my daughter, Michelle, about a year ago, and uh, just to give you a backstory, she graduated with a bachelor's degree in communication and a minor in HR. Then she felt to go to Bible school, so she went to Australia to Bible school. And uh, after Bible school in Australia, she comes back here. And so she's back here, and I needed a ride to church. My vehicle was being worked on in shop, so I, I hitched a ride with Michelle. From the time we left the driveway, I began to correct her driving. And I'm correcting her, and finally we're on, we're on 46 going north, ready to turn left onto the bypass. And she's going up to that ramp. And I'm telling her, watch this. Now, when you pull out, stay in this lane, not that lane. Finally, finally, she just says, Dad, I've been driving for eight years. She said, I drove in Australia. Have you ever driven in Australia? And I said, no, I've never driven in Australia. She says, I know how to drive. I've never had a ticket. I've never been in an accident. She says, you don't have to correct my driving. So I begin to laugh. I just begin to laugh. I said, honey, that's the same thing your mom tells me. <laughs> I said, I do the same thing to your mom. And I said, I'm a, I'm a control freak, but I said, I will use every power in me not to say a word. And I, I never said a word the rest of the trip. And I think all of us are somewhat like that. How about guys, especially with the remote control? I mean, uh, we like to have that remote in our hands. And when my boys come over to watch football, I always make sure I have the remote because uh, when there's a commercial, I want to go to the channel of my choice, not the channel of their choice. So I always make sure I have that right there. And really what we're going to talk about today, guys and ladies, is Jesus wants us to give him the remote 
control of our life. He wants to control our lives. And this is a lot tougher for guys. Ladies will have to struggle with too, but guys, we struggle, I think, even at a higher level with giving Jesus control of every aspect of our lives. So when we accept him as Savior, you, you know, there's nothing tough about it. We can't work our way to heaven. We say, Jesus, I believe. Thanks for dying for me. We admire him. Thank you, Jesus. I get to go to heaven because of you. And then the next thing that he asks us to do is he says, I want you to follow me. I want you to give me complete control of your life. And that's when you want to put the brakes on and say, wait a minute, Jesus. I, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for heaven and uh, I signed up for sins being washed away. Now you're throwing me, you know, a curveball here. And, and, and yet you read the Bible and every time someone believed in him, he said, now I want you to follow me. And we're going to talk about that because there's that initial decision and then there's decisions at every stage of our life every age of our life, wherever we're at. There's decisions concerning individual scriptures. There's decisions just concerning the whole idea of surrendering our lives to God. And I want you to walk out today remembering this. When you surrender your life, you find your life. And that's what Jesus taught. But in order to find your life, you have to surrender your life. And he taught this, and it's so cool the way he brought it out. So I want to... Um, help you see this and help you understand it in, in, in a really cool way. I'm going to go to a section of scripture where Jesus talked about surrendering your life and finding your life, and I want to set it up. Uh, we're going to read a verse in a moment, but before we read the verse, here's, here's what was going on. Jesus revealed to his 12 disciples, he said, I'm going to die on a cross. So they've been walking with him just about three years. He said, guys, I'm going to die and leave you. And you know what the next thing that happened is? The Bible says Peter rebuked him. To, to rebuke means you're really stern, you, you're telling somebody off. And so Peter rebuked him. We don't know exactly what he said, but it was connected to Jesus dying, and we know Jesus responded to it. I'll read that verse in a second. But Peter somehow went up to Jesus and said, you're not leaving. You're not allowed to leave us. We can't live without you. We have to have you here. And he's rebuking Jesus. So Jesus comes back at him. Jesus was uh, pretty cool. He knew how to come back. And he came back this way, Matthew 16, 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, I don't believe Jesus was calling Peter Satan or the devil. And I don't believe Jesus was saying Peter had a devil or a demon in him. I know what happened when Peter told him, you can't leave, we need you here, we, you can't go. The devil came and tempted him. We know Jesus struggled with going to the cross. He knew what he had to suffer because in the garden just before he died, remember what he said to God the Father? He said, if there's any way to take this cup of suffering away from me, take it away. But I love the next thing that he said, but not my will, your will be done. And Lordship's all about not my will, but your will be done. But Jesus had to speak to those thoughts because they tempted him. But I believe the latter part of what he said was to Peter. L listen to what he said in the latter part. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And I think every one of us in this room have to deal with that problem. And what he was saying is this, guys. We don't see the big picture of the kingdom of God in eternity. We see everything through our eyes and how it's going to impact us and what we want. That's not bad. That's normal humanity. That's what human beings do. And so Jesus is looking at Peter and says, 
I want to teach you how to take it up a notch. I want to teach you how to not look at everything and interpret everything just according to how it's going to impact you. Let's think about how it's going to impact the world, and let's think about what it will do for you once you walk in it. Because you know what? If Jesus didn't go to the cross, Peter couldn't go to heaven. He couldn't spend eternity with Jesus. Jesus was actually trying to do him a favor, but he couldn't see it. And I really believe when you and I make a decision to give lordship to Jesus, we think we're losing something, but when you surrender your life, you find your life. But we struggle with this over and over again. So here's the very next scripture. It reads like this. Then Jesus said to his disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now he's saying to Peter, here's what you need to do. And the first word, you want to be my disciple, the last phrase, follow me, those are words that the disciples of Jesus instantly understood. Because in Bible days, they knew that a rabbi had disciples. And Jesus is speaking something that's very cultural to that day. And the rabbi's disciples, they would follow that rabbi everywhere. If he went to have his hair cut, They'd go sit in the chair next to him while he was having his hair cut. If he did a home visit and visited someone, they'd be at the home. If he was doing Bible study, they'd be right there doing Bible study. If he was on his knees praying, they'd be on their knees praying. Wherever that, um, that, that, that master would go, they would go with their rabbi. They knew this. There was a saying in those days concerning the disciples of a rabbi, and the saying went something like this. They followed the rabbi so closely that the dust from his sandals is all over their clothes. And Jesus wants us to follow him that way. And in order to become his disciples, there's something that has to happen in us the first time we make a decision. And then Jesus said it's a daily thing in another, in another gospel. And so let's look at the middle part of this. Here's, here's what he said. He said we must deny ourselves and take up our cross. So what does it mean to deny yourself? What does it mean to take up your cross? The cross in Bible days was a symbol of death. The Romans crucified, put people to death on crosses. Everybody there knew that. And so Jesus, when he says, take up your cross, deny yourself, here's all he's saying. When you read the scriptures and you find out what I say, you and I have to make a decision. Here's the decision. Am I going to follow Jesus and do this? And then there's going to be a part of us that doesn't want to do that. Isn't that true all the time? There's part of us that says, I don't want to do that, Jesus. And Jesus says, you take that part of you and you nail it to the cross. That's what it means to take up your cross. You die in that area of your life and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you in this area of my life. And this is something we do daily. So I thought of a, a good example. I think it can apply to all of us. Uh, for those of you that are students, let's look at this in a student setting. For those of you that you know, are working uh, on the job, let's look at it from that setting. But we all can agree the Bible teaches us that Jesus said we should speak evil of no person. So he says, don't speak evil about anybody. Jesus also said, love everybody. So here you are in school, here you are in the job. You're talking with your closest friends, the people you really click with. Then someone else comes, and that person that joins your group they're that person that pushes your button and, and, and they just, they grate your nerves. When my kids were young, they used to say of their siblings, he got on my last nerve. And, and this is a person you just don't like and everything about them just turns you off. So they come into your circle. You're with your best buddies. How many of you might be tempted to roll your eyes like, oh, here they are. How many of you might want to put two fingers up behind their head when they're not looking? 
How many of you want to talk about them when they walk away? So what does it mean to be a disciple and follow him? What does it mean to give him lordship in that situation? That's just with the scripture. It just simply means, you know, I'm going to deny my feelings. I'm going to take my cross. I'm going to nail these to the cross, and, and I'm going to love this person. I'm not going to say one negative thing about him. I might feel it, but I am not going to say it, and I'm going to be sweet and loving to this person. It works that way with every scripture in the Bible, and that's what lordship's all about. It begins with, I accepted Christ. Jesus, I make a decision to follow you. I'm going to get serious and read my Bible. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to follow you. And then Jesus says, I learn things. I'm going to put those things into practice. So here's how he finishes up. Here, here's the very next verse. And he says this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. That's pretty serious. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. He's writing this to Christians, not to non-Christians. And I think it's fascinating. He says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. What does it mean to save your life? Simply means you say, Jesus, the remote control is mine. I'm doing things my way. You just want to keep living the way you always lived. What does it mean to lose your life? It means I'm going to deny myself, pick up my cross. Jesus, I know I want to go the other direction, but I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. That's how simple it is. So he says, if you want to save your life, you lose it. What does it mean to lose your life? Does it mean you're going to die? No, Jesus isn't going to hit you with lightning. Does it mean you won't go to heaven? No. Here's what it means. It just simply means you're never going to experience the true life and the true things God created you to do. You'll never find them. But if you surrender your life, you find it. And God's trying to say to you, I want to get this incredible life to you. What do I mean by an incredible life? I mean, some of you may be called to, you know, be superstars and sports athletes, but the majority of us, it has nothing to do with what we do on this earth. It has to do with us living a life where we have peace, where we have joy, contentment. How about purpose, where we have a purpose to live? And that all comes within the kingdom of God. Not that he won't bless us in every area of our life, but man, God has this life for you, this peace, this joy, this contentment, this fulfillment that's absolutely spectacular. And if you hold on to your life, you'll never find it. You'll, he'll never be able to free you in areas where he wants to free you. He'll never be able to bring you to places and relationships that he wants to bring you to if, unless you lose your life. That's why the latter part says, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What does it mean to find your life? When you surrender your life, you find it. It means that God can begin to do the incredible things in your life that he's been waiting to do all this time. It means purpose. It means peace. It means joy. And he's letting us know here, this is what he wants to do for each and every single one of us. So I have a quick example uh, and this will be different for everybody in this room. This is a uh, follow Christ example, a big example in my life. But I remember when uh, I accepted Christ. I accepted him, and I was just like anybody else. Yay, Jesus, you're so cool. I love you. Man, you're awesome. I admire you. Thanks for taking me from hell. Thanks for washing my sins away. Thank you for giving me heaven. It was a great moment. And then I had a time in church. I don't remember uh, what the message was, but it had something to do with making Jesus Lord. And I remember at the end of a service, I remember just praying, and I said, Jesus, I didn't know I was supposed to do this, but I'm going to give you complete control of my life. I surrender. I'm going to follow you in every area. And I made it real. I decided to deny myself, pick up my cross, and go after him. And before I did that, 
I had plans. Before I met Jesus, I had plans. I had an uncle in California. He was ready to retire. He wanted me to come out there and take over his business. And I was so excited about going out there and taking over um, his business. And then I accepted Christ, and I was still excited about going out there. I was thinking Southern California, warm weather. I was thinking of business, money. Um, I was thinking of convertible and chicks. I was thinking all those things, you know, like this is going to be the life. And so after I accepted Christ, I was still planning to go out there and tell my uncle, I'm coming out, and you can retire, and uh, I'm going to take over, and you can teach me the business. And I'm really, really excited. And then that day in church after I prayed, a couple weeks later, God dealt with my heart and said, I don't want you to go there. I want you to go to Bible school. And I don't want to scare you because if you surrender everything, he's probably not going to have you go to Bible school. <laughs> but that's what he wanted me to do, okay? And I remember I had, I call them debates with God where I said, that's not what I want. Can I go to Bible school in Southern California and help my uncle? No, I don't want you to go there. And, and we had this incredible debates. I said, what if I get rid of the chicks? Will you let me go to Southern California? <laughs> no, no, no. Bible school, Bible school in Oklahoma. Where is Oklahoma? <laughs> I don't like Oklahoma. And so he deals with me about all this stuff. And I'll never forget the day when I said, you know what, Jesus? I'll obey you. I don't want to, but I will. That's the remote. That's surrendering control. And, and you know what? I found my life. I mean, uh, what I do fulfills me. It's a blessing to me. I have purpose and fulfillment. And it will be different for everyone in this room. But that's the big picture. Then the little pictures, you know, all the scriptures that we read and Jesus asks us to live a certain way, and we have to decide to surrender to his lordship in those particular areas. Now, this is my observation. I don't believe it's true for believers, but this is Christians all over America, nobody here. But I, I believe this is uh, uh, the version of the Bible most Christians read. I call it the partially surrendered life, and it goes like this, Proverbs 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him and you can make your own paths straight. You like that version? It's the partially surrendered version of the Bible. I'll read the real one soon, but what I want you to see here is, I think sometimes as American Christians, this is the mentality that we have, and that's why I say I think this is the most important message, because if you get this right, everything else, everything else falls into place. Everything in your life will fall into place, when you surrender your life, you, you find it. And that's all God's asking us to do. You know what I like about this as a pastor? You don't follow me, you follow Jesus. I, I'm not controlling your life. He wants to control your life. And once he has control of your life, if he asks you to serve, then you serve. If he asks you to give, then you give. If he asks you to go to another church, then you go to another church. You just follow Jesus. You do whatever Jesus ask you to do. If he asks you to clean your life up, you clean your life up. If he asks you to stop doing something, you stop doing that thing. That's what it's all about. So usually when we think about lordship and surrendering, we think he's going to take something from us. So I, I just was sitting down and I jotted down some phrases that I thought were significant, and hopefully you'll think the same, uh, but it's all about why we should follow Jesus. And, and it's always for our good. Everything's for our good. So here's the first one. Jesus instructs us to follow him so he can lead us to freedom. It's really about him leading us to freedom, guys. It's not to ruin our life, but to free us. How about this? Jesus instructs us to forgive others so bitterness won't destroy us. That's why we forgive. 
It's to help us. How about this next one? Jesus instructs us to live pure sexually so we won't cheapen relationships, destroy intimacy, ruin our marriage, or catch a disease. I mean, he's just saying, hey, live purely. And it's amazing. Years ago, I did some research uh, on this subject, and I read a, a, a survey, a study, actually, that was done by the University of Chicago, a secular university. So this isn't a Christian group. This was a secular university. They did a study, and it was uh, titled something like, who, who has the best sex? And, and, and they studied all these different groups of people. They studied single people who slept with just anybody they wanted. They, they studied people who were single that slept with a partner, just one partner. They studied married couples of different religions. Uh, they studied everybody. And do you know when it was all said and done, a secular university, do you know what their conclusion was? The people that have the best and most fulfilling sex are Christian married couples. And it blew the secular world's mind. And I read surveys like that and I think, I understand why that is because God created it to be in a certain aspect and, and everything God asks us to do is to bless us. That's why I wrote that, those statements. Here's the next one. Jesus instructs us to pray so God can move on the earth. He, he just wants to move in your life. That's why he asks you to pray, move in other people's lives. Jesus instructs us to read the Bible so we will be full of life. It's, it's not a drudgery, it's to fill us with life. And that's why you're in church, because you know that. Jesus instructs us to give so he will be able to bless us above our abilities. And how about this last one? Jesus instructs us to please God above people so that people won't control our lives. And pleasing God above people simply means Jesus, I love you more than any person on this planet. Do you know there are people in your life that want to control your decisions? There are people in your life that don't want you to live for Jesus. They don't want you to do what Jesus asked you to do. And so when we love Jesus more than people, that, this is all it means. Jesus, I don't care if everyone in my family gets upset because I'm going to live for you and follow you. I'm going to do it because all I care about is pleasing you. And that frees us. God can do some incredible things in our life when we have that attitude, no matter what age we are. So think about this. This is what I believe the fully surrendered life looks like. I think this verse says it really well. Romans 14, 7 and 8. For we do not live for ourselves or die for ourselves. It's about living for God, right? If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And if you were to ask me, what does it mean to surrender? It's just like, it doesn't matter where I'm at. doesn't matter what stage of life I'm in. It doesn't matter, you know, if I'm retired, not retired, in school, wherever I'm at. It just means saying, Jesus, you own my life, and I'm going to live for you 100%. Jesus, I'm going to read the Bible to find out what you said. Put it into practice. I am convinced that if any Christian on the planet begins to do this, when you surrender your life, you'll find your life. Everything changes at this point. Joy, peace, contentment, everything changes. Purpose comes. So here's Proverbs 3. Here's the actual translation, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Here's what I'm after. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And if you just said, Jesus, I want to know what you want for your overall life. Jesus, I want to know what you want for how I live my lifestyle. He says, I'll direct you. I'll show you. I'll take you down the right path. And this brings me to a place in my life 
I call it a place of peace, a place of rest, because I know Jesus will never hurt me. If I surrender everything to Jesus, will I still go through storms of life? Yeah. Will I still have things come at me? Yeah. Will I have to work on relationships? Yeah. Can I have relationship failures? Yeah. Can people do things to me that hurt? Yeah. But man, you have that joy and that peace. You have that purpose and contentment that only God can bring. And as you walk with him, you're finding life, the life that he created for you to live, and you're finding this incredible life. Now, that being said, this is a good time to pray. So can we close our eyes and bow our heads? Father, I have done my best to teach what I think is an incredible part of the Bible. And Lord, I, I know wherever I failed to communicate well, you, you helped me. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who's speaking to hearts right now. And Lord, I love every person in this room. I care about them dearly. And I know you do too. And Lord, I know as I was speaking, you were speaking to hearts. So thank, thank you. Thank you for speaking to hearts. And Lord, I thank you that as we surrender, you do incredible works in our hearts. So right now, as we are prayerful before you, I know to some hearts you spoke, and, and people need to just commit to you right now. So guys, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm not asking you to pray out loud, but whisper. And connected with this message, if you say, you know what, I've been holding the remote control in this area or that area, you say, Lord, I'm ready to give it over. Will you just have that moment of prayer and time with God? And let's make a commitment to him right at this moment in our life. And for those of you that are already, you know, you're surrendered to him, just let him know, Lord, I'm going to keep following you. Go ahead and pray. Lord, we're ready to turn a calendar year. That's always exciting. And I thank you that this message sets us up for the next year. I thank you that you have these exciting things. You have life and peace and joy and all kinds of adventures for each and every one of us. Lord, thank you for opening up our heart today, helping us understand when we surrender our life, we find our life. As we go through the week, make this real. Show us where we can work this principle in our lives this week. Let's stay in an attitude of prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Before I close this message today, if you're here and you're not sure if you're forever, you're not sure if you were to die, if you'd go to heaven or to hell, I want to give you a moment to do what I did 36 years ago when I accepted Christ as my Savior. It changed me forever. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you if you're a member of another church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized. All great things. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a moment in your life where you from your heart made it real and you said, Jesus, I'm going to receive you as my Savior. I believe you died for me and I'm making a decision today to accept you into my life accept what you did for my life. If you're here and you can't remember a day when you made it real, I'm convinced God's opened hearts today and you say, I'm ready, Pastor Joe, to do that today. So here's what I need you to do. If you're here and you say, I'm ready, I'm ready to make it real, 
I just need you to pray with me. Everyone else in the room, would you help them by, by praying with me also? Pray with them. Just simply say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. I believe you died for me. I believe you came out of that grave. And I make a decision today to accept you as Savior. Now, now let's, let's even take it up a notch. Ready for this one? And to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.